Well, this morning we begin Lesson 33 from our study in Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 5, up to verse 10, with the last of the Beatitudes, Beatitude number 8. And we're talking about persecution this morning, so our comments this morning and what Dan has shared from uh, our church's recent trip to uh, Croatia has been fitting this morning. So we look at people who, throughout the land and throughout other countries, who are faced with a struggle each and every day when all they want to do is go to church and come together uh, as the body of Christ and worship. I'm glad that our church has so many uh, extensions of this this type of outreach. We're in several different countries, as you know, actively uh, supporting the missionary work there, which is focused upon uh, planting churches, teaching pastors, teaching children, just planting the, the gospel, the word of God. This is what we're supposed to do. And when we talk about, uh, as I said in my we talk about the reasons perhaps that God has blessed us in this country and even in this fellowship and in our individual is for the purpose of being able to pour our lives back out to Him and to allow Him to use us. We thank God that we don't have the kind of difficulties and troubles and trials that others have in just appearing somewhere for worship. And we know that throughout the world this has been the case. I'll share a few statistics with you later in that regard. You might be shocked to see just how much persecution is going on. Well, we know that in this life, wherever we are, as long as we stand for Christ, as long as we choose to preach the gospel, share the gospel, witness about the person of Jesus Christ, as long as we're bold enough and accurate enough in our witness to say that there's only one way, <laughs> there's just one way, we're going to invite difficulty in our life. Now, for you and I on a daily basis, how might that manifest itself? Give me a few quick responses. How might that rejection and ridicule manifest itself in our culture today, in your workplace, in your families and so forth? What do you see? Just briefly. What do you see? What do you hear? Yeah, some just, yeah, you know, don't talk about religion, right? That's what they say. I just don't, don't want to go there. Don't talk about that. Some say that about politics, and then they talk about politics. But they don't talk about religion, exactly. do they? That's right. Exactly. And you can get away with talking about God and the church, right? You can do that. Can you get away with talking about the person of Jesus Christ and His finished work? Can you get away with talking about the fact that we're all sinners? We're not all good, are we? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't care for country music, but sometimes in my daily uh, continual education about what's going on in the world, I might punch the button to see what's going on. And I heard a song not long ago, and this is one of the newest country songs where the guy's singing. I don't even know his name. He's the guy on the Idol, the country guy. He is singing. He's and the whole the whole essence, the whole on the panel, my dear. Um, Luke Bryan, his latest song. I believe that all people are good. That's the name of the song. Okay, and gives this whole uh, whole list of things that we might be inclined to think are bad in our 
society to include homosexuality and other things, but he says even in the backdrop of that, all people are good. So another attempt to, to normalize and you know that kind of um, that kind of a culture. So it's very subtle, if you will. Sometimes it's it's uh, a little more abrasive. It's a little more in your face. I would remind you that we're just under a country, Canada. We're just under a country that would consider much of what we do hate speech. And by what we do, I mean in the church when we talk about sin, when we talk about alternate lifestyles and so forth, when we talk about, uh, for instance, even drunkenness and so forth, things like that, uh, that would be considered hate speech. If you're talking about condemnation placed upon someone because of their activities and because of their beliefs. So we're not too far removed from that. Our scripture says in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 10, as we finish up these Beatitudes, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, to be sure, those who godly character in this life, as is described here in the first seven Beatitudes that we've looked at, will most assuredly experience some type of persecution. It is absolutely inevitable. And when you look at it, even in our society today, we, we suffer for a couple of reasons. We suffer, we will, because of our righteous character, right? If, if we're living within the dictates of the gospel and the entire word of God in our life, if we do, as we often talk about, funnel you know, sift everything in our life through the Word of God that affects us, we are going to be in our person, in our pursuits, we're diametrically opposed to what the world is pursuing, right? So you get this. There's, There's just no way around that. That's what's going to happen. Our gospel becomes an offense because it becomes something that you know, as it does, it brings condemnation in their life. It should cause a person, uh, when they hear what Christ requires and what Christ has done, and they begin to look at themselves, and they know the deep things of their heart. They know what they think about and what they pursued and what nobody else knows about. Okay, They know what they entertain, even though they may put on a front before other people that's respectable. They have to take the condemnation, the conviction that comes with that. And it's so much easier to accuse the person, uh, the mediary, the one from whom this, this new information is coming, it's much easier just to accuse them and to blame them uh, for the bad feelings, if you will, that they're experiencing over their thoughts, their conduct, uh, the, the omissions, even the omissions in their life. So all that stands to reason. But what we know and understand looking back over history about persecution is that it has a purifying effect on those who are persecuted. Now can you agree with that this morning? Can you actually say from your own personal experience, and granted we may have to look fairly hard to find specific examples when we're persecuted to a large degree in our culture here. But can you look back and find examples where you've been persecuted because you took a stand for Christ, you spoke for Christ, uh, you were you know, in the zone, if you will, regarding the Word of God, 
and it's bearing upon a particular situation. God was speaking, yet it wasn't what somebody wanted to hear. Maybe it embarrassed somebody. Maybe it put somebody under conviction. And you bore the brunt of that. Has that been your experience to any degree? And my initial point was, can you also say that it had some level of purification? It had some impact upon your life that left you cleaner, if you will, more understanding about the cost of discipleship, the cost of speaking uh, boldly uh, for Christ to bring the Word of God in a particular situation. had a situation just this past week where some guys were talking about <clears throat> how much beer they drank or how much beer they bought and how much they drank. And I made a comment about... I don't remember exactly what I said, but I, I was trying to make a point about, you know, did you drink most of that in one day? In other words, did you get drunk? And then they, they were quick because they, they know me where I'm coming from. They were quick to begin to know, uh, kind of make sure they understood to kind of parse out, you know, how they <laughs> drink their beer and all that. And one guy actually said, he said, so now you're going to condemn us, right? That's what he said. I said, uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm just asking you to think about your actions. That's all I said. I wasn't going to say anything else. Because that was enough at that point. I got the, the definite uh, uh, understanding, you know, that that's, that's all they can take right now. They just need to, <laughs> to dwell on that. Don't, you know, in other words, don't be involved in some activity and try to cover it up or make it seem like it's less than what it is, okay? That's a good place to start, isn't it? We always talk about calling sin, sin, calling it what it is. So, um, I'm glad that the, the Lord is, is using me in, in areas like that and that there's relationship there because that relationship is necessary to keep people from taking advantage or just cutting you off and so forth. So, that's what we want to shoot for. So, I thank, thank God for that. There's no persecution involved in that. But we have to be willing to speak the truths of the gospel to people. We have to be willing to take, if you will, to receive the persecution that most assuredly is going to come. And when we look at what's going on on a, on a worldwide level, I almost don't even want to call sincere persecution. It just really doesn't, it doesn't stack up. Okay, okay, we won't get invited to a party. All right, what is that? Oh, you know, of course nowadays, you know, if you're not hooked in, if you're not plugged in, those kind of things would have more of an impact on you, I guess, with our young people. So it's really, really kind of sad that we would think in those, those terms. We can find ourselves in situations where it costs us in our job. It may cost us uh, a promotion or uh, an opportunity in our job. And, uh, or relationships with them. Well, without a doubt, yeah, relationships. And those are lingering, aren't they? We don't, that's a bad, uh, a bad thing. But that's what, that's what we're called to do and to trust God. Nothing's going to happen if we don't give the word and give people an opportunity to receive that word and respond to the word about Christ in a way that causes them to deal with their own personal sin. That's what we're about. We do that in love, right? We do that because we care. We do that because we know that there is a payday someday for sure, but we know uh, and have experienced as believers truth about what the Word of God does in a person's life. And to the 
extent that we're committed to that, to the extent that we're committed to that, we find the strength to be an effective witness, even if it's, if it's going to result in persecution. God will provide that for us. So what about this word persecuted or to persecute? A Greek deals can often deal with chastening in a person's life. It often refers to that which is being driven away and at the same time it can refer to that which is being pursued or a person being pursued. Or like when Paul talks about the the Jews who constantly hounded him and followed him around from city to city for the sole purpose of just looking for something to lock him up over, okay? Uh, to have that with him. And you remember, as we've often, 40, 40 people took a vow that they would not eat or sleep until they had killed the Apostle Paul. Now that's persecution. That's the kind of pursuit that we're talking about here. And they did that with a religious fervor. They did that believing that they were serving God. And you have these people that you shared with this morning who from a religious perspective truly believe that they're doing the right thing regarding the raising of their children in this, the Catholic environment that you were talking about, Dan. Not letting their children uh, go to uh, programs that we're providing, Lord, in their country and so forth, or to be baptized because Christ has changed their life. This is what we're fighting against. This is what we're fighting against. I guess you could say that our greatest enemies on a political scale throughout the world consider us infidels. That's what they think about us. Godless, mindless, good-for-nothing Infidels, totally apart from God, worthy of nothing but death, lest we contaminate their particular brand of worship, of honoring God. So that's what we're experiencing in our country. Well, persecution is an inevitable part. Can I get that out? An inevitable part of kingdom life. We see that first off. The Bible is plain, Galatians 4.29 but as at, but to that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So it is now also, Paul says. Now what's he talking about here? He's going back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about Ishmael and Isaac here, even all the way back that far, where Ishmael was making fun of Isaac, even when they were little, even when they were young. And I got to thinking, you can, you can go all the way back to Cain. Do you remember Cain, who obviously slew his brother? Why did he do that? Do you remember? Why did he kill his brother? Jealous of what? what? Yeah, his religion. Jealous of what he was doing. The way he was worshiping God. So that, that motivation runs deep, does it not? Within the heart of mankind, 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And this, of course, Paul's admonition to Timothy to be carried on to the church. And he says, look, this is what it's going to be. This is what's going to happen. All, and all there means all, who would live godly, who would seek to live righteously, 
who would want to live out their righteous life as God has changed their life, share the Scripture, to live out the Gospel, they will be persecuted. So, what are we doing that? We should expect it. It shouldn't be something that puts us on our heels. You know, that helps us to prepare, does it not? know that we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we're going to be sharing the truth of the gospel, and we know that that truth in a particular life, a life situation, is going to bring conviction in that life. And we ought to be prepared about how that person's going to deal with that and allow the, the truth of God's Word, the Holy Spirit, to guide our demeanor because it's so simple for us to kind of be off track in that regard. And I hope you understand what I'm talking about here. If, if we indicate in the, in the slightest way some sort of attitude or tone or, or whatever that, that would cause us to appear to be, as the world would say, holier than thou in a situation, it's an instant cutoff, right? Let the Word of God do the work of conviction. Let the Holy Spirit do its Work. We are to speak the truth in love to people. That's what we're to do. We want to be blameless in that regard. That's why we consider ourselves when we go to someone else to, to help them, or particularly even within the church when someone else is within a sin. We don't want our attitude, our indignation, if you will, to come out to someone else. We don't want that to happen. We can be indignant about our own sin. As Paul talks about in what Second Corinthians chapter seven, we can we can do that, not toward others. In John fifteen twenty, it reads, "Remember the word that I said to you." As Jesus is speaking, "A slave is not greater than his master." Christ said, "If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word." they will keep your word also. So he gives us an encouragement there at the end. That the word that we give out under the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, knowledge of the word of God, we are, if we are indeed God's tool in that scenario, there will be success. He says they will keep that word because it is the word that has the power. It doesn't need to be dressed up. It doesn't need to be emphasized. It just needs to be put out in its truth. And it will do its work. So that needs to be our confidence. I think that takes the pressure off of us when we're called upon to engage, if you will, to minister in a difficult situation. A situation that might bring some form of retaliation, retribution to us. Just trust God to do what He's going to do with His Word and He'll do it. Protect us. Now, it doesn't mean that we might not, we might indeed suffer in some fashion. But if you can, if you can take this, you know, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted. As MacArthur says, he says, happy are the harassed. That's why he does it. If we can actually think that way and understand that there's great blessing involved in being obedient in this realm, that's what, that's what it's about. It is about confrontation. Bringing people to a point where they are willing to. They have to respond to the Word. They have to allow the Word to do its work. It is a confrontation. us against them. It's them against the Word. And that's where we want to keep it. 1 Peter 
Even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Maybe we could say only if you of righteousness, you are blessed. And then Peter quotes from Isaiah chapter 8. He says, and you'll see it in your Bible there, and do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. There's going to be intimidation. It's talking there about active effort take you down or to debunk what you said, okay? Or maybe to harass you in, in some other way. Don't worry about it. Don't be troubled about it. Listen, if there's anything that the Lord God is all over, it's the giving out of His Word. It's people ministering in His name. He's there. He's there. We just don't need to mess it up, right? We need to submit ourselves to His Word. We need to understand His Word. It's to a particular scenario, a situation, and trust Him to do what He can do and must do through the Word of God. That's what happened. In Acts chapter 14, after they had preached the gospel, the city and had, had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. This is what we're about. And you know, when we come together like this, <coughs> maybe you can relate to this, Deanne, just knowing that your church, your Bible study class, your community group, the closer uh, relations and affiliations that you have regarding prayer support, and all those who were in that ministry there, just knowing that those people are actively praying for you. They're praying for the power of the Word of God to do its work and to free up people, to, to, to strike down these, these strongholds within people and all these barriers that exist in that culture there, even in Croatia. Those things that exist that keep people from the Gospel. These things that are there, for whatever reason, but we know they're there to populate hell. That's why they're there for. It's so that people don't hear the gospel. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Knowing that there are those who are praying that there's going to be an effective change in our ministries because people are praying. I hope y'all can, can feel that you know, and see the results of that, experience that, if you will. So Paul would encourage folks in Acts 14 saying, hey, it's going to happen. The tribulations will come. And no doubt he was thinking about the words of Christ. And he knew from his own example, you know, he, I won't go and read it, but he gives us a list of all the things that he had been subjected to because of his faith, because of his faithfulness to God. 2 Corinthians 4.8, he says this, him speaking about those things. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. Afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despairing. We're, we're persecuted, but, but not forsaken. That's so important, is it not? We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And it means totally destroyed, done away with. 
always carrying about, carrying about rather, in the body, the dying of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Does this, this type of thinking, this reality, if you will, a reality in Paul's does this dominate our thinking? And of course the question is no, it doesn't, because we don't live in that type of environment. We don't. But God help us if we don't think about all those Christians who do throughout the world. This is their daily experience. Can you imagine getting up this morning and trying to find a secretive way to get to church? Can you imagine that? Just to, just to worship? Just to look upon the faces of your fellow Or to, to go and to pray? And I guess maybe even in, in some scenarios, if you wanted to sing and worship, you kind of kind of need to keep it down, you know. If you're in a basement building somewhere or, or whatever, so that people don't hear you and call your activities into question. We lose. We lose touch with those realities, and that's, that's the situation for many, many people throughout. He speaks of those who have been persecuted. Okay? Persecuted. And here, when he mentions it here, and just, just follow this, sometimes when I get to looking at these words and so forth, and the word usage, uh, as you know, it throws a whole different light upon a particular passage of Scripture. But here they use that phrase, he says it's in the perfect tense, and I'll explain that, and not in the present tense. Because previously when he's talking about that in verses 4, 6, and 7, it is in a different tense, okay? It's in the perfect tense here before it's in the present tense. What this means is the change, he says the change is deliberate and shows that it speaks of something as if it is already happening, Okay? He speaks of it as if it's already happening. Now, I know that even when, when this was written, when Matthew wrote this, there had been persecution, you know, of true believers. But the emphasis here is that it's going to have security. You can count on it. And we don't, I think sometimes, well, there's a movement out there that says, no, if you're in the center of God, and if you're doing what the Lord wants you to do, you're going to be able to bypass this persecution. They would see it as the hand of God. I mean, the Jews even thought that in part, you know, that you know, the, the evidence of God's blessing in your life was that you were prosperous, that you, that you had prosperity, you were prosperous, that things were going well. And obviously if something of difficulty happened, or as Jesus said, a big tower fell on some people, you thought, well, that's just God's judgment raining down on people. No, he says that difficult times are going to come. They're going to be part and parcel of living for Christ and speaking for Christ. And the word here that Matthew chose is is specific. It's specific. Secondly, only those who are persecuted for the sake of Christ are blessed. Now, we can be persecuted for a number of things. But to be sure, here we're talking about being persecuted for the sake of Christ because we are standing for Christ. These are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Period. 
So keep that in mind. And really righteousness, it is the central theme that we find throughout the Beatitudes. That's what it's about. The first two, if you recall, poor in spirit and mourning, those two have to do with recognizing our own unrighteousness. Those are the first two steps. You would recall that there is a level of progression with these Beatitudes. So we see that with the first two. And then the next five have to do with seeking and reflecting the Lord's righteousness. We recognize our poorness of spirit. We recognize our need. Our mourning, remember, encompassed a turn, a turning to Christ, and you know, repenting of our sin, mourning over our sin, and accepting what God has provided for us. And that having been provided salvation from the Lord, then we move forward to claim these next five that they be a reality in our life that takes us up to seven and then number eight today the result of that will be persecution in some fashion in some fashion so we shouldn't be shocked we shouldn't be shocked it's going to come we should see it for what it is that is an evidence that the people that we're dealing with see us differently and that the message that we're giving them, if it is just the message that's moving their heart, is doing its work. They're not upset with us because we had a, a bad attitude or uh, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't present the gospel right. It came off more as something personal from us to them rather than God speaking through His Word. It just emphasizes the fact that we need His hand in that. See that and they respond. And then thirdly, He adds that a future reward, again from verse 10, future reward will more than compensate for any suffering that we experience right now. Now, that's easier for us to believe because of the lack of serious persecution in our culture. But for people who are... their their lives are in danger... Their family structure is in danger. Their means of gainful employment is in danger. This takes on a whole different meaning. When we talk about the purification effects of persecution, I would think in these churches throughout the world and in different countries where there is severe persecution, I don't think they probably have a whole lot of talk or a whole lot of sermons about phony Christians, do you? They probably don't. That's probably not an issue that needs to be addressed. Because for a person to come and to identify themselves with the gospel of Jesus Christ would say it all. They would say it all. In verse 11 of chapter 5. Now what you find here with these next two verses is it completes the study on the Beatitudes. They're just talking about more of the results of this persecution. And he says, are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, he says. In 1 Corinthians 4 9, Paul says, For I think, this is him talking, for I think God has, has exhibited us apostles, last of all, as men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels men. And we know the kind of environment that Paul found himself in. 
And this is the way, he's just like he takes a moment here and he steps back and he's literally saying, he says, this is what I think. For I think, he says, God has exhibited us apostles, last of all, as men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. And they were looked down upon. There's verse, you know, he talks about this. Some people consider us the scum of the earth, the scrapings, if you will. The, the picture is what you'd scrape off a plate into the waste basket. That's how they look at us. He stands before kings and he, he preaches governors. And they say, Paul, you're, you're beside yourself. You've gone mad. Much learning has made you mad. You're a crazy man. You're a crazy man. And yet, as Paul spoke there, and even before Agrippa, the power of God was so strong in what he was saying that it began to have its impact. It began to have its effect. We could go back and look at that in that example of witness there where Paul was speaking, he was careful not to say anything that, was, that would cause him to appear insubordinate or out of place because he was talking to, to King Agrippa. He actually kind of built him up did he not he says oh king i know that you know these things i know that you're wise in this area you you understand jewish culture you you understand that i'm glad that it's you that i'm talking to here today i'm not saying paul wasn't sincere because without a doubt paul knew that he was there at the of god all you need to do is talk about the truth of the gospel that's what we need to do when we find ourselves in this situation. I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize this morning that this lesson would would require a part one and a part two, but we're already at a quarter after. So I wanna I wanna stop right here and let's finish up uh, next Sunday with uh, Matthew uh, chapter five verse eleven and verse twelve. Let's do that and we'll finish up our time looking at the dis- the Beatitudes and move on. Lord, we thank You this morning for Your goodness to us. We ask for Your power and presence among us as we serve You this day. We want to worship You in spirit and in truth this morning. Use us, Lord, for Your honor and glory. Strengthen us, Lord, uh, to be Your disciples in this world. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.